What is up, Celtics Nation? Welcome back to another episode of Mainly Celtics. I'm Emery, here with your boy, Matt Money. C's played four games this week. We're going to recap all of them for you. The tumultuous Brad, situ Brad situation. Uh, we get the trade deadline approaching this week. This is the last episode before the deadline. Uh, so we're hoping for some moves there. We're going to intro a new segment we've got. So go check out the Twitter and Instagram. Um, and lastly, we talk a little college basketball. Uh, round of 64 started yesterday. And uh, we'll give you some picks. Uh, we're going to start a parlay and uh, get that out to you folks. So pack show. Tune in. talk any college basketball just the the round of 64 started last night yesterday yep um so far i think i'm in the 97th percentile in one of my brackets which has oklahoma state winning i think i didn't obviously call the ohio state losing to oral roberts no um be interesting what happens today uh, i had a, had a 14 parlay yesterday i can't really exactly remember but have another 14 parlay out today it's the the matt money can't lose parlay Nice. Um, do you want? Do you want to? But, do you want to pull it up and we'll we'll. Uh, uh, yeah, we can. Okay. We'll. Um, um, let's see. So yesterday's, yesterday I won Arkansas minus nine, Texas Tech minus four, Loyal Chicago minus five and a half, Oklahoma State minus seven. So I hit all four of those in four leg parlay. And today, day. today's parlay, which you guys actually, <laughs> I don't know. We could say it today, so you guys can tell me if I. You guys can make fun of me if I lost horribly, but you guys won't really get to take advantage of these picks. But today's parlay is Georgetown plus five and a half, St. Bonaventure money line, Connecticut minus three and a half, and Ohio plus six and a half against Virginia. And that is risking ten dollars to one hundred and thirty-nine dollars. Okay, uh, do you want me to do you want me to whip one up? Well, sure, if like, you want to on air, we'll uh, I'll, I'll get one going. So. Uh, both of my brackets are in the 69th percentile. Nice. Um, yeah, you're trash. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> not doing bad. I still got a lot of points on the board to, uh, to get, you know, using the ESPN tournament challenge app. Um, I had a lot of, I had a lot of, uh, I had Ohio state losing sweet 16s. So that didn't hurt me very much. I think I had Ohio state losing next round to Virginia tech, which pro didn't help me. Uh, yeah, I should have should have known after the video that they put out uh, that it was not going to be good for them. Yeah. But I still got I've got all my final four teams. All my final four teams looked really good. I think I've got all my elite eight teams too. Yeah, still got all that. Um, I'm only missing one Sweet Sixteen team so far, which is nice. And that I had Purdue. Uh, that was an ugly game. They looked really bad in overtime. Yeah, I thought losing to Nova. So. so okay, let me let's let me pull up the round of uh round of thirty two, and I will I'll get a a money line parlay. I don't I would yeah. I won't know the odds I won't know the odds, but I will put something in. Um. Okay, let me look. So two upset. I'll start. I'll do two upsets and two uh, favorites. Um, I automatically I like Syracuse and Rutgers out of the Midwest. I want. I think Syracuse is playing West Virginia. Rutgers is playing Houston. I think Rutgers upsets the two seed and moves on. And I think Syracuse played lights out last night. Buddy Beheim was a monster. Um, and then uh, not not ever. I put no faith in Buddy Beheim. Oh uh, no, that dude that dude can knock it down. Okay, I'll take three. I'll take I three. watched him play a couple of, <laughs> My third pick. Sorry, yeah. I watched him play a couple of years ago. And yeah. I was like, I, I didn't watch a lot of college basketball, but he was playing. I was like, dude, why haven't they pulled this guy? He's like over four from three. He just is getting like torched on defense. And then like he hits a three and he's like, Oh, buddy Bayheim for three. I was like, Oh, okay, that makes sense. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, yeah, that's must be nice to have your dad as as your 
college basketball coach. Yeah, you're really not in any any a pretty long leash there. Minutes. Okay, so what's your third team again? My third team is uh, Texas Tech. Yeah, uh, I like that they're one. They play in Arkansas. I have Texas Tech going to my Final Four. So I think I have them going to the Elite Eight. I have faith in they're I like picking teams with good guard playing teams that are projected to be really good coming this season because that means they have a lot of talent especially yeah. with how crazy this season is, like maybe they get off to a rocky start, maybe things happen. So I do really like that Texas Tech pick. And they, they played in the Big 12, which is super good. The Big 12 and the Big 10 were the top two conferences in the in the tournament or in the previous – over the season. Um, and I think Texas Tech is a group. We saw it last night. They went on a 24-4 to run to break that game open. Uh, that was huge. I needed that against Utah State. I know a bunch of a bunch of the people in our in our bracket pool had Utah State as an upset there and it was nice to see my final four pick. And not only did they win, but they also covered the spread. So that's what we really like yeah. to see. Good teams win, great teams cover, right? Right. Okay. And my fourth, I'll do a fourth one. Um I can basically only pick from the Midwest and the uh, South. South, yeah. They, they've got the matchup. Aren't decided, yeah. And then I'll, I'll take Oklahoma State. You've got them winning. I've got them going. I've got them losing to Illinois because I have Illinois as my champion. But um, I have one, one bracket. I have them winning it all. One bracket. Uh, I have Oklahoma State. So it's, those are my two top. Those are the two best teams, I think. Oklahoma the two teams I most faith in are Oklahoma State and Illinois. Yeah. yeah so in one I bracket, think- I have them winning. The other bracket, I have Illinois winning. I think the winner of that game wins the national championship. So I like, I like you're Cockburn. A big fan of Cockburn. You're a big fan of Cockburn, Matt? Yeah. That's Kobe not right. Sophie um, Coburn, Coburn is a beast. IU, whatever, how you pronounce that last name, I'm not going to try. Can't I think, do it. Yeah, I think it's IO. Yeah, IO. Um, but yeah, I think the winner of the uh, Sweet 16 game, Illinois, Oklahoma State, wins the national championship. Yeah, bold move, caught, but I, I I'd like that too. Okay, so there's my uh, there's my parlay. I'll get out the uh, I'll put it into um, into the system and see what the odds are, and we'll get that out to you folks. Um, so there's our bracket. Hey guys, this is Matt Money from Mainly Celtics. I'm interrupting this episode to talk to you about our wonderful sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's free and there are a ton of creation and editing tools you can use right from your phone or computer. Anchor is awesome because it will distribute your podcast for you in all the top places to listen, like Spotify or Apple Podcasts and many more. If You, you can also make money with no minimum listens. It is simply the bee's knees. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, back to your podcast. What do you think of the Rockets game? Good way to start our uh, week. Good, yes, it was a very good way to start our week. Um, we talked about it. This was like, it wasn't a must win. Like I said, like obviously no game's really a must win in the middle of the season, but especially looking at the rest of the week win, it really uh, felt like a must win. And um, a lot of our guys played big. I think our, our main core guys played fairly well. Very well. Um, Rob obviously played really well. I mean, he was lights out. He was grabbing boards. He was, and that was a great team for him to match up against because they didn't really have any, any true centers no Christian on their roster. Yeah, no Christian was. They didn't really have any real centers to match up with, and that's the thing that I really like about um, Rob is he can take advantage of those mismatches pretty well. Mm-hmm. And that yeah, was that definitely was a game. good one to start. That was the game. Rob went seven for seven. He had sixteen to thirteen. You know, like it was yeah. the. It was the first time the Celtics had a like fifteen or more points on perfect shooting uh, in a long time, I think, or like a double double on perfect. It was shooting. like it was like the '70s or some shit. Yeah, um, right. that um, was really good to see. Played, it, yeah, other dudes played well. Yeah, it would have been nice if they like carried any sort of momentum from that game into the following games. Yeah, but. Uh, that was at least good to get one win, you know, not go empty on the week because that would have been – we would have been in a lot worse position right now. Definitely. So, uh, here's some stats for you. The team overall shot really well, uh, 52% from the field, 48 from three. Um, Tatum finished with 23, 6, and 6. Jalen Brown, 24, and two rebounds. And then we got Rob, 77, seven for seven, 16, 13. Uh, the problem with that game was, and and the problem with uh, the last enti- the entire week 
um, has been the first quarter starts. It's been a rough go of it at the beginning. It feels like the guys come out with uh, no intensity, no real drive to bury bad teams, which three of the four games this week so far have been bad teams. Um, yeah. Not The Jazz notwithstanding, I mean, we've played teams that aren't going to make the playoffs. Like the Kings maybe, but they'll maybe make the um, – the playing game but I mean the west is way tougher uh and the first quarter start to be only be up by four points against that Rockets team that decimated by the COVID protocol and injuries and holdouts and all that we're only up 38 to 34 after the first yeah and that's concerning for like a lot of reasons like especially because that doesn't really tell the whole story us up us up being up by only four yeah. is because we got off to, like, the first half of the first quarter. I mean, they had a pretty good-sized lead on us, and I was like, are you kidding me? And the funny part about that was, like, the Jazz are clearly the best we played this week, and we had by far the best start against them out of any of those teams. Absolutely. So I don't know if it's just coming in and, like, you know, I mean, this is the NBA, so you can't really be underestimating opponents, and I don't think they are, but I don't know if it's just they're missing a spark in the lineup. Like, it's I thought when Smart came back, he would kind of bring some intensity and not allow them to play – poorly on the defensive end as well as you know maybe motivating them not to start off slow but that really hasn't worked I know he hadn't started and he was a burst of energy in that game it seemed like yeah when he got on the court with Robin Pritchard but it's just we can't we can't be getting out to slow starts against bad teams because like we saw later in the week like they really teams capitalized on that right uh like the Cavs did I mean, that Rockets game was a great way to start the week. You have, like, you said it wasn't a must win, and, I mean, it is the middle of the season, but at the point that the Seas were, they were in dire need of a win, and it was nice to see them grab that. Um, Because, again, they knew they were playing the Jazz in two days, like, the best team in the NBA so far, and going to be a dogfight. Two teams that traditionally play good defense and shoot the ball well, but – Let's get, let's go, let's move to the Jazz. So uh, we still had some great performances in the Jazz game. I mean, Tatum, 29 points, six rebounds, three assists. Jalen Brown, 28 points, five rebounds, seven assists. That's a really good game. Um, Rob was seven for 10 shooting, 14 and nine. And I don't have the block stats, but you can pretty much lock him in. For I think two he had two in that game. Yeah. yeah, you can lock him in for that. I mean, the team shot 34% from three, just a little bit lower than uh, than their average. But, I mean, it was an overall very good game. I mean, I think uh, Scal was uh, big on the game. Like, he thought that the Celtics in the postgame wrap-up, he thought they played incredibly well. I mean, they just – what has become a now-growing trend over the last month for the Celtics is that they can't they can't hold up hold anything in the fourth they can't play defense and they can't get buckets you know yeah and it was kind of shifty because it seemed like early in the year was the third quarter that I was getting him and that's way less heartbreaking when you kind of start off bad I mean it still sucks in the second half but um yeah losing games in the fourth quarter is just really a really tough look and I think a lot of that was you saw I mean throughout this week Jalen and Tatum carried a really heavy load throughout this week and the real difference was is when they were kicking it, the Jazz were kicking to their role players, like uh, like Jordan Clarkson and um, Joe Ingles. Like those guys were hitting shots, whereas our role players weren't. And that really seemed to be the difference because in the fourth quarter, like these guys, they didn't have to rely on Donovan Mitchell coming out and scoring like 15 points in a quarter to win it. And Rudy Gobert had a less than stellar game, I think, especially going into the first three quarters. I think he was at like something like nine and six heading into the fourth. Yeah. I think you want to finish in like 12 and nine or something like that. He had pretty decent. Well, their finish was 16 and 12 on five of six shooting. So 16, 12, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I think he just got to the line a bunch. Yeah. Which, yeah um, but, I mean, he wasn't playing well and that's their number two player. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So you're talking role players here. Uh, Joe Ingles finished the game with 14 points, four of eight from three, five, of nine from the field. Uh, Clarkson played 30 minutes, got 16 shots up, scored 20 points on five of 10 from three. Like the difference there was that Clarkson was making threes. Mitchell was making threes. Conley was making threes. Royce O'Neal had two threes. 
Um, Ingles shot the ball really well. Like you said, it, it was exactly that. The role players did their job and hit big shots at the end of the game. Like Clarkson was a monster in the fourth. Um, games like that, uh, they had good output. They had good defense from their guys. They didn't – they had – I'm looking at the stats right now. They had no one uh, with five fouls. Like they didn't foul. They played – like they played great defense. And uh, it's just – it was – a tough game to see because you know, like last year's Celtics team would have ran away with that. They would have figured it out. They would have got to the line more and they would have been, uh, they would have been ready. They would have been able to take that game. I think. I mean, that's been a problem all season is not being able to get to the free throw line as much as they would have liked. But I mean, you see the difference with the fouls. I think a lot of that is that the jazz trust their center like obviously Rudy Gobert, like multi-defense player of the year award winner. Like they trust him that if the guy does, is able to get by them on on-ball defense, that Rudy Gobert is going to be there to help protect the rim. So they don't need to be fouling. Right. I think, and I think that's part of the, I think one of you the, see that with like Tice, like some, sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, I, what I've, what I've been noticing a lot is that it, it's so true that that sees especially with in these last couple games with uh, Tristan Thompson out, who's our only interior defender apparently outside of Rob, who hasn't been playing as much, getting more minutes now. But the defensive spacing is really bad. Like you saw it a bunch, a couple times last night against the Kings where uh, the they would drive, kick it out to the three-point line and Tice would be the guy that is sprinting out to close out on a shooter. And then they would miss a three, Rashawn Holmes would be there for an offensive rebound and a putback or a layup or a putback or a foul, you know, the, the defensive spacing is not great. And the coverage on these things, it is, has been really Rashawn Holmes did look very good last night. Yeah, he did. Well, I think a lot of it, I don't know if you can necessarily blame on Tice because he's like, I remember, I don't know, I don't know recently, but I remember looking at earlier in the year, I was really surprised because he actually won the better numbers against field goal percentage around the rim. And I think part of that's just like poor rotations. Like the guys get lazy or they get lost on defense. And I don't know who necessarily is to blame because it's obviously different every single time. But I mean, I don't understand that. Like you lost Gordon Hayward, but it's not like you're losing an all NBA defender. Like the defense has gotten significantly worse from last year with the same core of players. Yeah. It, it, it's strange. Um, and I think this, this jazz game was, uh, um, was, the first real uh, peak we got at what we would see throughout throughout the week was, and that is a uh, massive workload for Tatum and Jalen. Like they yeah. shot uh, 40, 45 shots together and finished with 57 points, just the two of them. Like they were efficient. I mean, Tatum was 12 of 24 and Jalen was 12 of 21. And, uh, I mean, that, that's, that's awesome to see like that. They're getting their shots up. They're getting good looks and they're scoring a lot of points. But I think the issue is when you do that on the front night, front end of a back-to-back without Kemba, especially on that second game, then they're shot. It's not going to go well the next game. Like you have to be able to move the ball. You have to be able to get secondary scoring, you know? And yeah. I think this, uh, this, the jazz game was the start of, uh, like with the bench, not doing a damn thing, you know, like other than Rob who had 14 on seven shots or on seven of 10 shooting, I think, um, the bench has been playing like legit minutes and not scoring the ball. Pritchard, 12 minutes, zero shots. Marcus Smart, uh, 25 minutes, two of 10 shooting for five points. Like Grant Williams, uh, 17 minutes, two points on one of three shooting. This was the game Semi had none, right? Yeah, Semi started and had zero shots. Yeah, so it's like, like I looked at that and I, I counted. I was like, this is crazy. Like I like it just seems like zero production out of their bench. And then I looked and if you kind of switch Rob and cause Rob did play, want to play a majority of the minutes more than semi did. So the, yeah. the, the real lineup that played the majority of the minutes were Kemba uh, or not Kemba. Sorry. Yeah. Kemba, Kemba, Tatum, um, Jalen. Then you had Tice, Smart and 
um, Rob, but I mean, Smart didn't do anything. Sammy no. didn't do anything. Those guys, I think pretty much all the guys, there was like five guys that combined for like 70 something minutes and they scored like seven points total. And that, yeah, that's the, just like, you're not going to win any games. No. Outside of. Unless your three guys are KD, Kyrie and. All right. <laughs> yeah. Um, outside of Rob Williams. And if you swap semi uh, the bench, those guys had seven points in a slew of minutes. Like, yeah, it, it's it's insanely, insanely frustrating to not have any production outside of two players, you know? Yeah, it's yeah, it just sucks. Like trying to be positive about this team, but they do need like a move needs to be made. Like and I've said I said this yesterday and I've been saying this. It's like I don't even care at this point. Like you don't need to make the home run move. Like I would love to have Harris Barnes. So that means you're truly trying to be for a championship. But right now, like the way we're playing, if we continue this trend, like we might be staring at a playing game. We might be losing, going one and done in the playoffs or two and done or whatever, however the playing tourney exactly works yeah. um, or however it sets up. But it's like, just make a move. Like just trade Wayne Ellington for a second, trade Carson and someone else for a wing player, maybe a team that's rebuilding that wants some guys with some possible upside just do like anything. Like you're not mortgaging our future, making those picks, but you're at least showing that you want to, you're making an effort to be competitive. And that's really what I want to see. Like, it's just, it sucks watching below 500 basketball. It just isn't, isn't as fun as last few years. No, it's really not. And you're exactly right. You're not, there's absolutely no risk in trading for Wayne Ellington. There's absolutely no risk in trading Carson, you know, like, because we've seen, that Brad and Danny are not going to play Carson, even when Teague has sucked. Like the like Carson is able to go out and get buckets sometimes if he's on the floor and if he hits his first shot, if he's whatever whatever that stat is, you know, if he's if he's hot, if he comes in and gets a few buckets, he's going to play real good basketball, like uh, at least offensively. Um, yeah. But the, there's there's no there's no downside to changing it to changing it up right now especially from that like back end of the bench, like add different back end of the bench players, you know? Yeah. Just like minimal upgrades would even be, would would even make a nice improvement to this team. Um, The one thing I understand about the Teague and Carson situation is like, if Teague's giving you nothing and say, even if Carson gives you nothing, or even if you don't really love what you're seeing from Carson, like at least if you're playing him up and towards up, towards the deadline maybe he does have a big game maybe that does raise his trade value maybe you can get something for him like no team is convincing themselves like you're not gonna be able to trade jeff t like everyone knows who jeff t is like everyone knows like his upside is like what he like he's only gonna get worse from here he's he's on the wrong side of 30 yeah but like at least with carson like you might trick like one of like i don't know one of those rebuilding teams or one of those selling teams that he has that potential upside to be a guy that's a real sixth man type in the future. Definitely. And if, if he, I, I, yeah, I could see him being that. I could see him being an instant offense type of guy. A, but it's probably not going to happen on the Celtics, which is too bad because I loved him coming out of, out of college, which was, I thought he was an awesome fit, a great pickup, another, a guy that just, and plus he got number four too, you know, like, the whole I uh, come back being the short guy as yeah. it was is just it's fun to watch him play and to not see him play. I'm pretty yeah. sure he has the record for most threes in a preseason game too. Yeah, he does. It's like his rookie preseason. He like absolutely like lit it up one game. It's like okay, yeah. So it's just like yeah, he has that spark, it, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know either, man. Um, so that was the first two games. Okay, do you yeah. want to uh, do you want to split them up a little bit and do a little um, talk about the whole Brad Stevens situation? Because this is sort of when it when it went off. Yeah. Um, so Dave Damashek, who I don't know, maybe people listen to this know, maybe they don't. I believe he's an NFL analyst. I know he's a, a Pittsburgh guy. He's not like an Indiana guy, I don't believe. Uh-huh. But he basically made a tweet, verified on Twitter, saying that um, sources close to close to Brad Stevens are telling me he is um holding or brad stevens is going to resign and take the position of indiana's head basketball coach um and what i thought was funny about that is then there's follow-up tweets saying that 
of like other people that were fairly close, like not like big names in the Boston media, but other guys were like, yeah, Stevens hold, held a uh, team meeting prior to the game. And that was like verified that happened. So I don't know what the team meeting exactly was about. Maybe it was just like, hey guys, can you just like stop what being the bad fuck? at basketball? Yeah. Yeah. So obviously Brad Stevens came out and he had the, the awesome quote. It's like, I'm a mass hole. I... <laughs> Yeah, I swerve when I drive and I drink Dunkin' Donuts, like which was which is good to see. He basically just like shot down those rumors, but definitely wasn't a great uh, like forty eight hours. No, I don't know. It hasn't been great like the last three days. Three days. Twitter was shaking in their boots. Yeah, it's like you'd be fucking kidding me. Like maybe, maybe, <laughs> like maybe that's why the guys were playing like such shit. Like they knew he was gone. They just like didn't care. Any, I don't know, but yeah, that would have been that was weird. That was a weird stretch of days for for Celtics fans in general. It really like was smash those rumors. So, it, which was really awesome to hear because I love Brad and I. There's no absolutely no one in the NBA that would be an upgrade. So, um, people calling for Brad Stevens, his neck at this point of the season, it's not Brad's fault. Brad, yeah, I put more of the blame on Danny for sure. Like, I don't know, just, the one, and, the one criticism I, I always will have is just not playing the young guys. I feel like, as, yeah, but I think that as much as what. I think that's a standard throughout the NBA, what it's coming to, at least, you know, um, the NBA is a ma- an insanely young league, like young talent is what makes the NBA so watchable to casual fans. But um, I think you need to make a name for yourself, especially in big markets like Boston, New York, LA, like in big market areas, you need to be able to produce before you can get your shot, you know, like you need to be you need to be able to do like to produce and to um, help, help the team, you know? Um, I don't know. My opinion was different. Like last year, last couple of years with like Grant Rob when the team was super successful, when your team's below 500, it's like, ah, oh, maybe you should be playing the rookies. Yeah. <laughs> maybe you should put a little bit to the future, especially when the guys in the present aren't giving you any production at all. But okay. So what's the next game on the docket? We had the. Uh, yeah. So after the uh, jazz, the, jazz they, the C's played well, they shot 49% from the field just to wrap up and then 35 from three, which was good. Could have won that game. Should have won that game. Probably. Um, next we got the Cavs, and to start the first quarter was horrendous. The Cavs were down 28 to uh, 26 to 18 at the, after the first, and they were down even bigger 55 to 38 at the half. Yeah. Um, my big thing with that game is if I just watched that one game, I would think uh, that Darius Garland might be the best player on on the planet because mm-hmm. it seemed like he couldn't miss. Him and Sexton were just unreal. Yeah, and uh, I don't know what it is, but it seems like all we're just letting teams shoot a lot of threes against us, and these guards are really benefiting. It seems like every night there's guys having huge games where it just seemed like last year we had much better defense it's the same guys like Marcus Smart was still out there the like I don't know it's just yeah those guys I mean they killed us those two sex lane killed us which is which is tough because I do I do like watching them but I don't appreciate it when they decide to play well against the Celtics yeah those two had 54 combined points yeah um and the Cavs that was the first time that they had beaten the Celtics in nine games uh that was also coming off they had just lost the Cavs had just lost four straight um and the Celtics came out with no energy against a bad team yeah the team and they're a good enough team yeah and especially if you give them confidence like those guys can get hot like you don't want to allow like Garland and and Sexton to get hot because they will kill you Mm -hmm. um yeah it was another case of just them them seems like they beat themselves they just allowed this team to get up to a big lead and they they made a great up in the third and they kind of fold in the fourth and quickly ran out of gas trying to make the comeback but yeah and this and so this this was the game without Kemba on the back-to-back um which Brad has said we'll probably see for the rest of the season which is yeah. troubling uh moving forward uh so again the workload was heavy on Tatum and Brown and you could tell I mean Tatum had 29 points still. Jalen Brown had 28. But uh, Tatum shot three of 13 from three. Jalen Brown was two for 10. Like, I don't think Tatum had a – he started 0 for 9 or 1 for 9. His first make was in the third quarter. Um, 
And something that stood out to me in that game was Daniel Tice played 26 minutes and had uh, zero points, 0 for 1 shooting. Like, he didn't touch the ball. Yeah, and that seems more like – because I remember beginning of the season, I don't know, it seems like he does play a lot better when Kemba's on the floor with him. I agree. But, yeah, Tice has gone cold. Like, he was a guy who was shooting 40% from three earlier this year. Yeah. And at one point, I think he was leading the team in three-point percentage. He's just uh, – of recently, like, even going back before the All-Star break, like, he's just been not hitting threes. And that's really the value he provides in the offensive side of the floor is he's able to provide that spacing. So – uh, T- uh, Tatum and Jalen can work inside, but if he's not shooting, the, the spacing's not there, and those guys are going to stay home. So makes it really tough, really changes the offense when we don't have guys that are even threatening to space the floor. Yeah, and uh, so this was Marcus Smart's first start coming back from injury. He played well, 29 minutes, 19 points, 5 of 11 shooting, and 4 of 9 from 3. Uh, which was nice, probably his best game since he came back. Um, he looked good. I mean, he's still jacking up shots, still getting his. It's it's Marcus time, baby. But um, it really would be nice to see him split the floor a little bit more with Kemba. Like I don't know, like last year he was. I don't think he's like an excellent shooter, but I think he definitely should be a guy that's league average shooter. I think right now he's shooting 33%. League average is about 36. So he's been below league average, but certainly not for lack of trying. Um, (laughs) You can never. So it's just like, I don't know if it's. Yeah. So I don't know if it's just like getting him on the court with another playmaker so he can get more open looks or just having him as that that number four option on the court would be nice sometimes because that way he gets a lot more just wide open looks where it looks like him running with the second unit, like trying to lead the second unit. It's a lot like what we saw a couple of years ago where he didn't have quite the same success of uh, shooting a three point percentage. Yeah. So, so, and if he's forcing shots and he feels like he needs to be the guy to score. And he's one of those guys where if no one else is scoring, which we've seen our second unit likes to not do a lot, like take shots or make shots. Yeah. He'll he'll force shots up. And Absolutely. usually I don't blame him for that, but it's gotten to the point where it's he's he's been a little bit inefficient. He's been yeah, he's been inefficient. I was won't sugarcoat it, but I hope going forward he does get more opportunities to play alongside Kemba, alongside uh the Jays, so that way he does have more opportunities that are just wide open looks, get his confidence back, become more of the the shooter we saw last year that really was a, a plus shooter and a guy that really helped this team out on both ends of the floor. And I think that needs to be his niche. Like we, from what I've seen, it feels like he's not beating anybody off the dribble. He's not like last year, he was great at getting into the, into the elbow and like, and moving the ball. Like he would stop pivot or even make a floater, you know, like right now he's not able to get any spacing uh, off the dribble. And it's, it's strange because we've seen him be an effective player, like an effective player. guy that can slash to the basket a guy that can move and find the open areas in the court and make good passes he's still making good passes um and he'll never not make good passes but um it's just not what we're accustomed to with his uh level of play his level of tenacity on the offensive end at least and his shot making ability last year was a revelation i I was not the biggest Marcus Smart guy hand up last year before, or before last year because of the fact that he thought he was a microwave and couldn't really play offense. And last year he blew me out of the water. Um, but it's sort of come back down to earth now. Uh, and we can, we can see that like without, uh, without a pieces around him, like if he's not on the floor with, Tatum and uh, Brown, it's just gross to watch. Um, and I also th- I thought that before this stretch, uh, Pritchard was getting great minutes and getting good offense. In the last in the last four games, he's been on the court a lot, and I feel like he's not being as aggressive as he was a couple weeks ago. What do you think? I mean, some of that could be like having smart back where the ball is probably in his hand a lot less, and that yeah. could be a factor. Some of it, I don't know, it could just be a typical like r- rookie inconsistency. So it's 
Only time will tell. We'll see how he does um, going forward this week. I'm not too concerned right now, but I mean, it could just be a situation of him, him not feeling as comfortable being the number two option or being a secondary ball handler on the court with the second unit, or even sometimes like the tertiary ball handler. So I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. This is, this is about, uh, I hope to see Pritchard back to scoring. Me too. Yeah. This is about the time that, uh, that rookie wall sort of hits, hits some of the, um, hit some of the rookies, you know, some of the younger guys. Um, I think that Pritchard has a, a better chance to uh, break out of that just because he's a little older, uh, older than the average rookie in the league. And he's uh, solidified a role on the team and the, his role, the role isn't asking too much of him. So I don't think that a rookie wall with, um, with Pritch is going to be too bad. I just, was super impressed with him to be honest with you the first half of the season and want him to keep continuing to do that. Yeah. I still, I still think adding some, some insurance policy, like not forcing Pritchard to be your main uh, bench scoring option would be good. Yeah. It, but it, I do, I did like to see him get this confidence in his role. And hopefully even if we do add another piece, hopefully he can maintain that uh, the same mentality as a scorer. Yeah. So I'm um, look at the looking at the box score right now. Um, outside of Tatum, Smart, Brown, and Rob, uh, Semi had five. Tice had zero. Grant Williams had five. Jeff Teague had four. Pritchard had seven. Carson played four minutes and no shots. Javante agreed to play three minutes and no shots. Like, yeah. Once again, just the. <laughs> The, the role players aren't playing their role, which makes it tough. Like, that's the point. You need role players to do just one or two specific things, and there's none of them are contributing offensively. And the defense hasn't been good enough where they can put up zeros and have us win games. So, right. And that just goes back to just we need to make a move. I can keep saying over and over again, but that's just what's going to have to happen. These grants not auto, like, just magically going to become a an elite three-point shooter and shot creator. Like, we're not paying randomly. These guys aren't kind of random transformations middle of the season. Yeah, so, wait, I'm Romeo, so that might help. But Romeo, yeah, that's an interesting thing. Uh, <laughs> do you want to talk about Romeo or do you want to talk about the Kings? Uh, we'll talk about Romeo real quick. Um, I think at this point he might just be, like, walking into COVID units and hospitals and exposing yeah. himself. Like, at yeah. this point, like, it's just like they didn't say he tested positive. But it seems like he's been in con- he's been contact tracing since like the All Star break. Since like after the All Star. Well, I think it was since the All Star oh, break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was back from injury, but right, right, okay. It's just like I don't know what contact tracing unless he's just living with someone that has COVID, and he's like, yeah, sorry, yeah, I can't share lollipops. Yeah, so I don't know what's up with him unless he tested positive and they just haven't openly said it. Right, but hopefully he'll be back soon. Hopefully he didn't have COVID, so he's just not affected by it. We can finally see uh, Romeo playing healthy and 100 percent because right. right now we need some sort of spark and maybe romeo can provide that maybe that's uh sure. certainly not my uh my expectations going into this season banking on romeo langford to be uh the spark we needed well i was hoping i mean i was expecting a big jump out of him i, I didn't think it was gonna take him this long to get back but I didn't either. I'm just hoping when he comes back, he at least provides the defense and he's shown some improvement offensively from last year. That's all I really can really ask for at this point. Yeah. It would be an upgrade of what we're getting. It would be for sure. Um, it would be hopefully the end of Teague's minutes. I mean, it's probably not going to happen with the way Brad plays him, but if I if if I had any say in it, GM Emery over here, um, I would just I would trade Teague for a second round pick and let when once Romeo's back and then let Romeo play. Let Pritchard uh handle the ball in the second unit with Marcus Smart and do a better job with uh I think what comes with getting Romeo back is that you get better lineups. You know, you can put a a guy that can go get his own and play defense on the court and then it takes out Jeff Teague from that lineup. Who you get a little bit taller too. You get a little bit more creative. Uh huh. I like that. Because like yeah. Romeo's not huge. I think he's like six four, but at least he's not I think one he's of those like six that. foot. I think he's like six four with like a long wingspan. But okay, maybe yeah. Um, 
yeah, just it's that way you don't have to roll out one of those double six foot tall point guard lineups. You can actually put a little bit of size next to one of those smaller guards that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so the Kings. Yeah, the Kings. Same old, same old. Yeah, good, good game for the most part, but then a seventeen to five run at the end of the game seals it. I think the, yeah, there I mean, was a there was a seventeen to five run at the end of the Cavs game too. Yeah, I mean Jalen played well. Uh, it really seemed about it. Um, everyone else played. A lot of guys played okay, but yeah. we there, just didn't get a lot of a whole lot of bench production once again. No. Fourth quarter was terrible. I think uh, Tatum and Jalen combined for like two points. I'm like one for 10 shooting or sorry like one for 13 shooting in in the fourth quarter so that's not ideal out of your two best players so hopefully that doesn't happen again uh yeah so they the seas were down by 11 at the half and then cut it to two after three cut the lead to two and then the fourth quarter the fourth quarter, the Kings outscored the Celtics 25 to 15. I'm not sure, but 15 points in the fourth quarter really is not good. Um, no. Not good basketball. I mean, Jalen Brown was our leading scorer with 19 points. Rashawn Holmes had 25, yeah. 11 at three blocks and two steals. Yeah, he was a beast. He he outplayed like he outplayed all of our centers. Like usually, I'll try and make an argument that. Like, you know, of course, I'm going to say Rob played well, but he, he didn't. Rashawn Holmes bullied him. He did whatever he wanted. It was not pleasant to see. Um, yeah, Jalen by far did the best out of anyone offensively, but still but he, only shot eight. he only shot eight of 20. Like, Yeah, he still didn't play great. Yeah. Um, it, it was just rough. It was a weird game, too, because I feel like the first quarter was pretty high scoring, and then yep. the, second, the second through four really started to slow down, but – um, more of the same is just I don't know if it's guys running out of steam and I've said this like 40 times so I don't want to sound just super repetitive but <laughs> when when you don't have at least two of those guys scoring and you're relying on your other guys like we're just not going to win any games with, with this roster but I don't know it was hopefully the Kings are selling I wouldn't mind some of the players on the Kings they seem to play really well and Especially in Boston. Yeah. That was the first time they beat us since the since the 06-07 season in Boston. And this was also the Wild. first the first time the Kings swept the season series against the Sea since 2007, 06-07, yeah. Yeah. That was the Wally Serbiak years. Those are rough times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um so yeah, uh first loss at home. Rob played well. I mean the three-point shooting was something I wanted to talk about, but looking at the stats, I mean, it hasn't been really bad. It was really bad against the Cavs, but that other than that, it's been league average. I mean, 48% against the Rockets was insane, and then they had 34 against the Jazz, 26 against the Cavs, and last night they shot 38% from three, which is all you can really I think have. a lot of it's – this is it's just the tentativeness, it seems like, from the guys that aren't our main guys. Like, a lot of times they're not afraid to pull, and that kind of skews percentages, or they are afraid to pull. So it skews the percentages because we're not getting those shots that we should be getting because the, the lack of confidence in their in their own shot, which makes it tough. And the lack – or just the lack of ability, there's passing up shots for <laughs> maybe try to get looks inside. That, that wasn't working either. But I think what this – this game was strange. I mean, especially looking at the box score now, um, it felt like the Seas didn't get many shots up. Like their defense was – the Kings' defense, I mean, was stifling, was suffocating. And they were getting tip passes in the uh, – tip passes on the offensive end and not being able to score on the – or not being able to stop them, the Kings from scoring. You know, Jalen Brown was the only player to, that shot. he had twenty shots. I mean, that's usually a main like that's usually a mainstay in the offense. Jalen Tatum getting twenty shots and being able to score. I mean, Tatum had fifteen points, which is just horrendous out of your all star starter. 
Um, big thing with that game though is is I don't think when Whiteside was on the court, like obviously Rashawn Holmes was a beast, but when Whiteside was on the court, like I didn't see them taking advantage of the fact that Whiteside's got basically bricks for feet. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like, okay, well, like yes, he's a good rim protector, but if you get him out, try and like run pick and rolls against him, try and run in transition where he's slower than death like those are where you can cap the opportunities it seemed like the pace was slow like you were saying like we didn't get many shots like in general I think a lot of that was just the pace was down which is not something I like to see out of a out of a team that was playing Hassan Whiteside significant minutes like when he's on the court like you don't want to really change your style of offense yeah but at the same time like you need to take advantage of his of his slow ass running up and down the court right oh uh, yeah I'll Hassan played 16 minutes had seven points, six rebounds. Didn't shoot well, which we could have taken advantage of while he's on the court because usually he's a glass monster. Um, something interesting about this game, Jeff Teague, Semi Ojale didn't play, um, which is even which makes the low shot, like the low shot total, even stranger because the C's only played nine guys, and usually it's as Brad has said before they've. They were they have been running a twelve man rotation for most of the season. Well, at least with Teague, I know Teague's not afraid to take take and make his own shot. He's not afraid to shoot, so he'll he'll get his shots up. But some of the other guys, I mean, replace him. I know Naismith played a lot. Grant played quite a bit, right? Yeah, Grant seventeen minutes only took two shots though. Hit it, hit yeah. But those guys, those are the guys I'm talking about. Like him and him and Naismith are very they're very timid sometimes. Yeah, and a lot of times that means they'll have an open shot. I mean, there's one one play that sticks in my head when Pritchard got a great on-ball steal on Harrison Barnes and he was running the fast break and he kicked it to Grant. So Grant taking a bunny, he like passed it off to Pritchard who was, he passed it back to Pritchard who was then standing like four feet from him. And then Pritchard got a shot blocked where it's like, okay, dude, you're, you're a big man. Like I know you're not very tall, but you're six, six and you're going against Harrison Barnes and you do have, and it's not like he's just standing there set. Like he had to like turn, like he could have quickly got a shot up. But it's that timidness where you're, not taking your shot the first opportunity comes you're only trying to take it when it's wide open when it's just completely clear and that has to do a lot with the pace where instead of taking that shot with um i don't know say like 20 seconds left on the shot clock you're passing it back to pritchard then he gets a shot block then you're having to run the then you have to run full play out of bounds and it was one of those plays where it quickly went from two points i don't think we wound up scoring up possession so i mean that's when it's it was I believe it was a three on one too. Like you can't it be was, caught losing. Yeah. yeah, you can't be not getting any points out of a three on one fast break. That's yeah, just and then it got it got blocked. Far. They didn't get a uh, a basket from the set play from the inbound, and then Buddy Hield came down and hit a three. Five point swing right there. Yeah, yeah, that's tough. But ugh. I don't, I don't know. know. I'm just like sad like, about the scene. I'm I am too. Like I have. I texted you in the middle of the week this week being like, I'm going to be positive vibes only for this show for the rest of the week. And to be honest with you, I don't know if that's going to happen. Like I just am tired of it. Tired of a better idea. Come, come the 25th, whether or not we can really be truly upset because and there's still the buyout market, which I do think we have an opportunity to get some guys. Like, I know LaMarcus Aldridge has been talked about, which I wouldn't mind him as a buyout. Definitely don't want to trade for that massive deal. But no. um, a buyout would, would be helpful, especially if, we, especially if we can, like, flip, say, Tyser Thompson for uh, a wing player that provides some value, provides some scoring for this team. I think that would be a huge addition would be Aldridge. Because Aldridge, I mean, he's slower than death right now, but he's still a guy that can get you points. So yeah. that would be a nice guy to have on the bench. So let's talk about some options. Or even starting, just like not playing a ton of minutes. Yeah, let's talk about some options. We saw two of the pieces that we had talked about last week. We saw Larry Nance play in the Cavs game, and then we saw Harrison Barnes last night. Um, Nance played like a monster. Nance was so good. I would have loved. I will. I would love to see Larry Nance on this team. Yeah, he's not an elite scorer. Like, he's not a guy that's going to come out and get you 10 points. And he's averaging, like, around 10 a game this year. Yeah. But he does everything. Like, he's very Tice-like, where he does everything well. And I think he does it to a little bit higher level than Tice. He's a little bit better of a shooter. He's a little bit taller. He's a little bit more versatile defensively. A little bit better. Quicker. Uh, a leaper, yeah, a little bit quicker. But I think he would be a huge upgrade. I don't know. 
it seems like from what I've heard, it seems like Cleveland's not going to really be selling on unless they're blown away. Yeah. But which really sucks. And I think Harrison Barnes, it seems far-fetched now because it doesn't seem like the way they've been playing that even with a move like Barnes, they'll really be a contender. So I don't know if they make that move. I think we really got to focus on more of the smaller moves that are low, low risk and mediocre reward. Like the guys like that make our team marginally better, not significantly better, which sucks. Like I would love to be talking about like getting a guy that's going to be a, a franchise changing, a franchise changing player. Right or a guy that really makes us contenders, but I just don't see that in the cards right now. I don't know. Maybe Danny's got something up his sleeve, but it just seems like the tone of the team and the way the team has been playing, it seems like if any moves are going to be made, they're going to be those marginal moves that make us, that I think will make us more of a consistent, like four or five seed rather than the eight seed. Like we've been playing recently. Yeah. And something that came out this week was uh, mutual interest between the um, Raptors and the Celtics. Um, yeah, I don't know if that the name that I heard was Aaron Baines, um, and it would probably involve moving Tristan Thompson or Daniel Tice. Um, what do you think? Yeah, of? If you've been following the Raptors at all this year, they've had really poor play. Like Baines has been played much worse this year than they did last season in Phoenix. Yeah, and they had Alex Len for a while. I don't think he's even still with the team. I think they just cut him. Um, so they've had really poor play out of their centers. They have Chris Boucher, who they've been playing at center, but he's more of a – he's a smaller center. He's really more of a power forward or, like, a second unit center. That's what I've been using him as, and he has really exceeded in that role. But He's still really um, – he's a great ball player. They're looking for a true center. Yeah, he's a good player, but they're looking for, like, a true, like, starting center, a guy that can help be more of a defensive anchor. And they've looked at the Celtics because I think – it's pretty evident that the Celtics really want to play Rob Williams more and doing just moving one of those pieces like Tice or Thompson would allow more freedom, more minutes for Rob. And also like, say we do get back, um, say we do get back Aaron Baines, say we, they give us Aaron Baines and a pick back for like a first round pick could be protected. I don't know what the protections would be. Um, So they do do that that gives us that insurance policy too. If Rob does get hurt to have a guy that's at least like a NBA quality center, he's not like obviously going to wow the world. It also provides a different body type than we have now. Like we don't have any, like Baines is like seven foot, like 260 pounds. Like we don't yeah. have anyone with that, that pure size on our team right now. And he's in the past has been a guy that's been a good, uh, good three point shooter, especially for his position. He's oh, another name I saw player. floated out there. <laughs> Um, another, another name I've seen floated out there for the Celtics, and this would include us probably giving up at least another player of value would be Norm Powell. He's a guy that can impact us now. He's that wing we've been talking about. And maybe after we make that move, we do wind up getting, say we do get LaMarcus Aldridge in the bio market. Maybe they know that's something that's in place that when it, if it does, if they can't get a trade for him. Or maybe they throw a second round pick at a guy who can be that third string center, just that insurance policy. Cause we do know Rob's hips, not hundred percent. Yeah. Um, I really like North team. Like he's obviously not a, a world, a world record or anything, but he would be, I think a positive player on this team and a guy that would really help this bench unit. Yeah. A young spark for sure. He's we've seen it before. He's always been a killer to the seas, like especially in the playoffs last year and the times we've played them this year, Norman's shot the ball incredibly well. Like, always getting to the basket, open for looks, a good passer, good defender. Plus, and the best part about yeah, and the best part about both those moves is we wouldn't have to even uh, use the TPE at all. Like, both mm-hmm. those moves are just with Tristan Thompson's contract, like able to be made. So that'd be a really cool thing. To, that'd be a really cool bonus to making a move like that too. Maybe use some of the second round picks at this point. I know I don't know how most people feel about second round picks, but you can get. We haven't played them anyways. None of the second round picks of the recent years have really helped us out. So just trade those guys away for value guys. Get Norm Powell. Get maybe a third string center for a second round pick. Even could be a protected second round pick. Get like a Wayne Ellington. Just get. Just use those guys. Use those picks to get guys that can actually help this team in here now. Yeah. Um, we talked earlier about the Pelicans, a couple of guys, the guards on the Pelicans, Lonzo and uh, Josh Hart. I think those guys are off the table now. Uh, I don't know. I saw some rumors that the Clippers are interested. 
They could probably. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know who they'd off, have though. Off the table, off the table for the season. I mean, yeah, so. I think that's probably not going to happen. Um, the Clippers are probably going to get Lonzo if they want to compete in the West. I mean, the West is stacked right now, and the Clippers need a. They need one more piece. Lonzo would be that. I person. mean, they have Reggie Jackson, and they have Patrick Beverly, and they have Blue Will. I mean, he's kind of more of a shooting guard, but. They don't have, like, Patrick Beverly Pratt's defense. He has been a good guy, catch-and-shoot guy. Um, Reggie Jackson, he's a decent shot creator, an okay playmaker, mm-hmm. but maybe doesn't bring out the defensive end. Like, Lonzo's just a very well-rounded point guard, especially the way he's shooting this year. He's a very well-rounded point guard, and I think that's the type of point guard they want on this team, a guy that can get Kawhi and Paul George the ball, a guy that can catch-and-shoot threes, and a guy that can – really play elite level defense like Lonzo has been known to do absolutely you're spot on there and I think it's too bad that the C's are going to miss out on those guys um because both of those would be drastic upgrades and huge helps um heart heart I don't think is completely impossible but I just think with Lonzo like you know what what we'd have to give up to get him and I don't think he'd be signing re-signing with us just for the fact that we don't really have that cap space to give him the money he's looking for yeah, and it's not really worth it for a team that uh, the way they've played right now, even with some moves we made, don't look like they're going to be actual contenders. Yeah, it, it it's just upsetting and disappointing um, because this season was supposed to be the season the C's got over the hump because they've been to the um, finals, like we've said before, three out of the four, the Eastern Conference finals, that is out of, three out of the four years, should have been right there again. Um, we saw teams around us uh, load up. I mean, Brooklyn, obviously. Uh, the Sixers made moves. They added Seth Curry. Um, the Bucks added Drew Holiday. Like, their teams They just around. added P.J. Tucker. Just added P.J. Tucker, too, yeah. Um, teams around the Celtics are looking to win a championship, and the Celtics – missed out on that this that the, this, the opportunity this year at least yeah like I said unless Danny's got something absolutely wild up his sleeve for a 25th hour move I was yeah I don't see them having the the firepower to compete with these top teams in the east unfortunately no but okay anything else you want to talk about the bracket yeah let's uh about... okay anything else you want to talk about the bracket yeah, let's uh, go to something that may give us a little bit more hope. Probably not. So, We're gonna something that's fun, guys. It's March. It's bracket season. Um, <laughs> a bracket was made. We decided to do uh, just Celtics role players for the past, like, 10 years or so. Um, the criteria was the, Celt- the guys had to play about 13 to, 13 to 20 minutes. They had to play – at least 30 games for them in a season. So it's based on individual seasons. Some guys like Jalen Brown's on this list, clearly not a role player now, but like his second year in the second year in the league, he was considered a role player because he was a guy that wasn't playing. Yeah. A ton of minutes. After you take the top 16 seeds, um, was just basically their positive contributions per minute. So it's just their stats, their points, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, minus turnovers per minute played. And that's how we kind of rated them one through 16, just their impact on the floor. So okay. you won't see guys like Semi who play good defense, but don't really have much of an offensive impact. Um, some other things we're still, I'm still thinking right now whether or not we should either A, use as a tiebreaker. Maybe we get a third guess on here. Maybe that's just how the bracket goes. We'll just do it just fan voting. Um, still up in the air right now, though. But I think it would be fun to kind of use as a tiebreaker. So what each person thinks. Uh, we'll start next week, and we'll kind of talk about the matchups, talk about the fan results. We'll make this a short little segment. And then afterwards, we can do something a little bit more exciting for Celtics fans and maybe do kind of the all-time players draft. Definitely. Or we do a draft or a bracket. Um, like an all-time player draft. Yeah, we can do all-stars to play for the Celtics. We could just do any player that wore a Celtics uniform. You pick their prime years. That way, like, a guy like Shaq would be involved. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like that. So, so we got some couple ideas. We'll try and do a little couple more segments, keep it fun, keep it light, especially if this season doesn't turn around and we're not positive talking. Just really – it sucks to be negative, but it's really hard to be super positive about this team right now. So, yeah, um, 
if you look on our Instagram and mainly Celtics right now, the first matchup, it is the one seed Robert Williams versus the 16 seed Shane Larkin. I, to be honest with you, I love, I loved having Shane Larkin on the team. I did. He's not going to be Rob, obviously. I really liked Shane Larkin. I liked his, uh, I liked his game. He was good ball handler, a secondary ball handler. So a guy that we're seeing like what Pritchard is doing right now. Um, but I, I just a good ball player all around. I was a fan of him when he was on the Celtics. And he's playing overseas right now, but and tearing it I think, up, I think. Yeah, and obviously, if you disagree, because like obviously the system isn't perfect. If you disagree about what someone's seat is, the great part about that is you guys can vote on it. And if you guys think like I know NS Cantor, I think it's a two seed just because he is a guy. When he is on the floor, he does get a lot of points and rebounds. Um, so if you think he's going to be the 15 seed, which is like a semi Erdan, I think it is. He's either 15 <laughs> or 14. If you think he was more valuable for the Celtics, you can vote on it. And that will uh, leads the, the real semi to the ship. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so, yeah, keep, a look, keep your eye out for that. We'll be posting that on Twitter, mainly NBA, and on Instagram, the mainly Celtics page. And we'll talk about uh, some of the results next week. Yeah.